Thanks to everyone who supported the show this week via Patreon, including Mick Cowans, Ian Mercer, Alistair Harding, Ian Wilkinson, Matt Lacey, Illico Elia, Roland Roberts, and Jamie Holland. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so from $1 per episode. Go to 361podcast.com forward slash support. Okay. Do you want some Christmas jokes? Uh, I think we probably have to, so get on with it. <laughs> what, a horse walked into the bar, reindeer walked into a bar, why the long face, something like that. Where does Santa stay on vacation? It's no idea. A ho-ho hotel. Ah, very good. Okay. I mean... Come on. I, I'm, uh, I, I do, it, when I listen back to this, I do sound really bored <laughs> when you're doing your jokes. <laughs> and uh, sometimes that is accurate. Uh, but uh, they do tickle me sometimes. I'm just trying to find the... Um, <laughs> I had some lined up and I've lost them now. <sighs> What's the difference between the Christmas alphabet and the ordinary alphabet? I don't know, Ray. What's the difference? Noel. <laughs> That's good. Um, no, feel free to, you know, come to the end, <laughs> gents. What's a reindeer's favourite singer? Beyonce! <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile tech and the world around it. My name's Ben Smith. I'm Ray Blanford. And I'm Ewan McLeod. That took ages, that journey. I know, it always takes longer than you thought, doesn't it? Because it's like four changes out of London. I know. The taxi always goes to the front gate, and we're not allowed through the front gate. I know. Oh, that's good to see. You. Did you have a good Christmas? Uh, yeah, fine. Uh, did you bring a present, or not? Did you send something ahead, or what? I, th- I thought you said you would get something else from both of us. Well, I usually just send him truffles, but then he gives it to his dad, I think. <sighs> Hang on a minute. They are expensive truffles. You keep him talking, I'll pop up to the gift shop, and I'll get him one of those tea towels. It's, I don't think it's going to be open. It's fine. I know the manager. <laughs> Ben, don't leave me. Okay. Don't leave me. Now, look, where are we supposed to be meeting? Well, I don't know. It just says, be there, 6pm, same as last year. There was a weird guy at the front door last time. Okay, well, why don't we walk down the drive and see who we can see, and then, at a minimum, I, I'm gagging for a drink. Let's get inside for a drink. Come it's on. It's really cold. Yeah, and you know the temperature difference between here and Muscat is quite substantial. Oh, I know. And the thing is, it's these garden gnomes. They weird me out every time. Like, they look like they're looking at you. I know, is it? That one over there, can you see? I don't like that one. I don't like them at all. His eyes is following you down the... Oh, hang on a minute. No, sorry. That actually is Rafe Bamford. Oh, Rafe, how you doing? <laughs> Gentlemen. Rafe, hello. Thank hello. you so much for the invite. Uh, yeah. Ewan's got your present, which we'll definitely give you later. It's coming. It's coming. Uh, did you have a lovely Christmas? Well, um... I don't think I invited you. That must have been the social secretary. I'll deal with them later. Oh, come on. But anyway, since you're here, welcome. welcome. Come on. Can we get in, please? Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ewan, Ewan, can you stay off the grass, please? Uh, look, I don't tend to see that much grass. You know, it's nice. Mm-hmm. It's very fine lawn you've got. And uh, actually, you're dressed fairly flamboyant this evening as well. I mean, there's many people who couldn't carry off sequins like that, but, you know, it's classy. It's nice. Well, it is the Christmas party and one does one's best. Well, indeed, Rafe. And no, uh, Rafe, can I, look, I just want to ask, just before we begin, did you make or did someone make sausage rolls? Uh, it's not really sausage rolls. It's premium, organic, hand-reared yeah. pork wrapped in phyllo pastry. So calling it a sausage roll is really a 
misrepresentation. Right, but have we got any? Because I am a bit hungry after that journey to the middle of nowhere. Yeah, we've got some Donald Ruff ones in the freezer for you. Fantastic. Excellent. Let's go with it. Okay, okay, Rafe. So, uh, look, I only know the front door, obviously, because being a gentleman of quality, but you've had us come around the side, so why? Well, I thought, actually, before we get into the party, we could go down to the um, sub-cavern because I know you talked about wanting to see the mobile phone collection, and mm. I know Ben Wood has just launched his uh, mobile phone museum, and it's all online and mm. very impressive and virtual, and you should go and visit it because it's a really great collection. Mm. But would you like to come and see the um, physical collection that is, is stored in the basement and has some very fine collection of Nokia and Symbian devices, as well as some more modern trash? <laughs> well, with an invitation like that, who could, uh, who could decline? So, lead on. At some point, I want to see the duck. In the second duck pond or whatever it is. You've still got it, right? Oh, it's in the swimming pool at the moment because it's quite yeah. cold at the moment. Remember, I bought my duck. I brought my plastic duck. I think that's a gift that keeps on giving. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. All right, sorry, but when you say a cavern, what are we talking here? Well, I mean, you know that we're in a cast landscape here, so it's limestone cavern. Like, doesn't everyone have one in their back garden? Jeez. <laughs> no. Please come in, gentlemen. Two snowmen in a field. Yes. One turns to the other and says, Can you smell carrots? Uh, That's good. My New Year's resolution is 5K. Uh huh. Yep. Are you being serious? No. That's a computer joke. Okay, fair enough. Tough crowd. I I hesitate to mention this given what it will probably then lead to a conversation about, but um, I don't want to brag, but I've got a date for New Year's Eve. Oh. Oh. Yeah, it's December the 31st. <laughs> okay, Rafe, so when you said a cavern, I didn't actually genuinely think you meant a cave. Jeez, an actual cave. This is interesting. So um, what have you got down here? This is the uh, second cave. The first one is obviously the one that was hand-carved, but this is the naturally formed one. This is where I keep the mobile phone collection. Um, Mr. Blanford Senior keeps his wine collection down here. And obviously, you call him that. Is that what you call him? Well, father, you mean. All right, okay. Yeah. Dad. Peter. <laughs> yeah. Hang on a second. So I'd love to see this mobile phone collection, but what's that over there? That door? I don't know what that door is. There's a sign. Oh. Buttery. The buttery. It's not, is it? I think it might be. I, think I, I didn't realise it was down here. Let's go in. Let's go in. Is it open? Oh, well, I've never come down here for that sort of thing. Try it. Try it, Ben. Hang on a second. Ah. It's unlocked. Let's go in. Are we allowed in here? Is this all right? I haven't actually ever been in here. It's quite nice. Mm. Hang on a second. Look, what's on the table? You listened to the last episode, didn't you? Uh, yeah. That's it. Look, there's the tapes he found. Oh. Fantastic. I've been meaning to talk to him about this. Look, I know we're not supposed to touch things down here in the bus. Just don't mess with it, right? No, it's going to screw everything up. It'll no. take ages. Come on. This is too good an opportunity to miss. Can we have a quick listen? No. Oh, come on, please. No. The, the last time Mark got annoyed, like, he traumatised the ducks. I can't deal with that again. To be fair, he's eaten less sugar these days. So, you know, it's probably a lot calmer. So look. Well, on your head be it, Ben. Okay, look, executive decision. Stick it in, stick it in. Go on. Right, what does this say? Um, Season one, episode one, 27th of April, 2011. Uh, When I was in my 20s. (laughs) Ah, let's stick it on. Hang on a second. Just wind it up. Other platforms or, you know, for the PlayStation itself. So I suspect that kind of uh, pricing level is going to be a lot more attractive to your average consumer. 
Yeah, and I asked Dom about this from Sony Ericsson, a different Dom, not Dom Jolly this time, and uh, he was telling me, uh, well, he was telling me about the cost of games. For the games, you're looking probably between about four to seven pounds for the for the full titles. With Android, they'll vary depending on what the game is, but yeah, about seven pounds is the most you could expect to pay. So, Ewan, what do you reckon? Seven pounds is that fair cop for a you know good quality PlayStation mobile game? I think it is. I think people are going to eat it up. Um, I think- there you go. Uh, so. I remember it now. Season one, episode one, I went off to Sony Action launch party. Right. And, wow, um, there was a helicopter in a studio in a basement. They were launching this Sony Ericsson Xperia Play phone. Do you remember that? It was like a PlayStation phone. And we were all absolutely fixated about how much would the games be. And it was like four to seven pounds. (sighs) Will people mm. ever pay four to seven pounds for a phone, you know, or for yeah. a phone game? Yeah. Phone game, yeah. It was yeah. incredible because we were really worried about this pricing, and yet now people play hundreds of pounds a year into games, and even even through subscriptions and stuff. Well, I'm quite pleased that I did actually say something that was semi-relevant and uh, and has stood the test of time. But I, I do remember thinking seven pounds was quite a bit. But you know, I, I imagined then that some people would do it. But I think it's it's Apple, right? It's Apple that showed the way here. I mean, I don't. Th- is it is it fair to say it was Apple that showed the way with pricing? I don't know if it was Android or Google. Well, it's interesting because we were obviously obsessed about the price of the game up front, and now that doesn't seem completely unreasonable. And you've got the likes of Animal Crossing on Nintendo, mm. and it's not unusual to pay sixty quid for a game there. Same as mm. on the consoles. But yeah, anything anywhere between kind of two and. £10 is not out of sight for a mobile game, but we probably mm. missed the big thing, which was in-app purchases and the idea yes. that you'd pay for stuff over like a lifetime. That Or you could subscribe or anything, yeah. Yeah, yeah and the whales, as they get referred to as, you know, a couple of hundred pounds, even more, and then the mm. controversy mm. around government regulation on that and getting refunds and everything else. But the thing that also strikes me there is it was a speciality mobile that was going to do one thing, play PlayStation games. And actually, there were a whole bunch around in that era. You think back to Engage and things like that as well. Hmm. But actually, you don't see so many of those, you know, one use or primary use mobile phones or smartphones now. But this idea that you can do gaming, like very much present Apple Arcade, or if you then think about, you know, Microsoft and streamier games. Steam and everything like that has probably disrupted it more than what we were thinking about then, which was this idea of premium gaming on a smartphone. Mm. So why did the PlayStation phone, why didn't that succeed, Rafe? Because, you know, the PlayStations continue to be hugely successful through to today. But, you know, there's not PlayStation branded mobile stuff, is there? Sony Ericsson continues to make Android handsets, but it's not a big player in mobile gaming. No, I mean, I think the obvious answer to this is that People didn't want to cross over the two devices. And the thing that was most important to a person buying a phone was actually the fact that it was a good phone and a smartphone not being a gaming device. And they were quite prepared to buy the PlayStation Portable and then all the follow-ups where Nintendo, frankly, has continued to be more successful there. I also think even then, Sony was struggling to remain relevant as a device manufacturer because the software wasn't great and i remember that was one of the things when you reviewed the phone that you commented on that it was kind of sony's version of android so Uh. there's a lot of microcosms of why speciality mobiles didn't work probably represented by that and that was the one that had more legs because it had the big brand behind it the gaming which is something that a lot of people do but yet it still didn't make it Uh. and as i recall they tried a couple of times 
And then there's this been idea of various platforms on games, but the ones that have really stuck have still been the casual games in terms of mass market adoption. And so I think part of that was also it just wasn't a big enough market versus other smartphones and therefore difficult for Sony to justify continuing to invest in it. It's weird that Apple gets all its revenue from the App Store from games primarily. I mean, not exclusively, but the vast majority. And yet none of that seems to be from the kind of games that uh, people were playing on the PlayStation phones. It's all gambling and, Mm. you know, sort of pay-to-advance type games. Yeah. Okay, look, well, wow. Season one, episode one, we went in. Went in hard with a celebrity because Dom Jolly was there, who was a British comedian, and I was uh, I was schmoozing with the celebs. Look, hang on a second. What's this next one? Hang on, Ewan, you'll love this one. Go on. Season one, episode three. Do you remember this was when we were on the beach in Cannes? Right. Do you recall? Yeah, I do remember. Yeah. Hang on a second. Let me stick this in the machine. Let's see. Go on. Still in front here. So yeah. this is a little sort of um, outtake, a supplemental, a supplemental. And uh, what, are, what are we going to call this podcast? Well, I like the idea of three six one. We've been discussing three hundred sixty one degrees. That's it. So we're going to we're going to turn full circle and go one better. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Love it. So uh, the three hundred sixty one degrees. And uh, what, what are we yeah. basically? Who are we, and what are we going to do? I mean, obviously, I know the answer. I don't need you to explain, but you know, I'm holding a microphone, so maybe someone is listening. Right? Uh, who are we? Oh, well, you are Ben Smith, prominent blogger in a suit, man in suit, uh, go-to guy for bloke in a tie. Yep, that's my new tagline. And I am Ewan McLeod, mobile industry review. And now, uh, who's that? that? We should explain that we're still in Cannes, and if you listen to episode two and episode three, you know we're here at a the TV conference uh, covering that event. And uh, Rafe Blanford is now pacing the beach, having an important call, uh, discussing important things. I think he's trying to decide who in Nokia should be strung up first if the whole Windows Mobile thing goes wrong. Yeah, people are looking at him because he's carrying... If the whole Windows Mobile thing goes wrong, Rafe Blanford, oh. do you remember? Yeah. So first of all, who decided that a beach was good sonically as a location to start a podcast? I thought it looked great. Look, I'm bloody glad Mark's not here because he'd be absolutely livid. <laughs> There's literally <laughs> seagulls in the background. But Rafe, like, <laughs> that was at the dawn of Windows Phone. You know, that was still the point where we thought that Microsoft might be a competitor. There might be three ecosystems. I'm more focusing on the fact that even in episode three, you were taking <laughs> out of me pretty much constantly and things haven't changed. Whereas obviously uh, Windows Phone has not had that same longevity of experience. But yeah, it was. It was back shortly after the Nokia. The burning platform. Switch and the news. And there was still a degree of optimism that it could be the third ecosystem. Yeah. And I, I think, genuinely there are a lot of people out there that were willing to give it a chance me too yeah such was nokia's momentum that they thought it was a real possibility you look back on it now and it seems all rather inevitable and lots more has since come out about the inside of what was happening to nokia and we've considered and in other episodes like that pattern but yes it definitely takes me back and that's a long time ago in one sense but actually the amount of change that we've seen in that time Mm. it's also like the iPhone wasn't out that long either. No. And Android was still in its infancy in, in many ways. And the complexity that's now been introduced and what you can do with them is frankly amazing. But yes, um, I'm not going to be able to get away from the uh, Windows phone and the, and the Nokia thing. I, I suspect there's going to be some more nostalgia, which is unfortunate with me making predictions about things that didn't happen. Let me spin this one forward a little bit. Hang on a second. I seem to remember we had more conversations in this. 
Uh oh. So, Mr. Blanford, just give me give quickly one minute. Explain why you think app stores are going to go away. App stores are overhyped over here, and too many of them. The idea of app stores is broken particularly from the discovery point of view and really they're just a way to make sure a mobile has extra things out of the box and there are some particular elements of it that I want to get across in this argument doing it in one minute tricky but here we go no come on I just wow I Rafe Blanford that's worth listening to the whole thing actually I I would sit forget the Christmas party let's sit and listen to that because that that was some serious parroting of some Nokia uh did you believe that Rafe no, no. I mean, this is where I claim that on episodes we sometimes have to take a contrary point of view to uh, create some <laughs> ah, some tension. Oh, I see. I see. Is that what we're doing? I think I can claim that one. I can't even remember the argument that I was making. I think it was um, the idea of um, app stores controlled by the platform provider were a bad idea because that's when Apple was obviously talking about that. Mm. And it's interesting if you look at Apple, Absolutely, like that. That's I was wrong, but equally well. The oh, 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 whoa, 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 back up. Just say it again, Rafe. I was wrong. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's not too fair. That's not too fair. Come on, I don't think any of us were right here. But if you look at Android and actually the side loading of apps there in the Chinese app stores, hmm. I would actually make the argument that on Android you've actually seen like a problem. And I was probably yeah, as I say, making an argument. But also, if you you spin it forward and go the problem that Apple's been facing recently around yes. app store regulations, like profit sharing and everything else, there's clearly still a concern there about where that control layer sits. Now, I would absolutely say now it's good for consumers to have that trust and everything else that comes with having you know curated app store and control of what's let in. And you can see that Apple versus Android. But uh, yeah, I'm sure we made some other sweeping generalizations. I'm glad you managed to dig that one out of the archives, Ben. That seems a little bit lucky for a tape that was just lying around on the table. That's just the position it started playing in. Mm-hmm. That's just a complete mm-hmm. surprise to me, Rafe Banfield. I have no... Yeah. Do another one. I should have wiped the jam off my fingers before I touched Mark's tape recorder. I tell you, he's going to be cross. And can we get some sausage rolls in a minute? Oh, can you ring up for them, Rafe? Yeah, yeah sure. Where's the play button? Yeah, though, uh, we've said how hellos. Hello, everyone. Um, roaming. Now, Ewan, the, one of the reasons we're talking about roaming is because you've just come back from yet another conference. I mean, I, I wonder actually if you ever do any work, but we can discuss that in episode nine. Um, this is my work. <laughs> it doesn't. If it doesn't look like work or smell like work, but you came back from a conference recently and it was all about roaming and it kind of has kicked this conversation off. So just kind of backtrack a bit and tell us what you were doing there and what was the conversations. Right, I was at the Mac Insights uh, uh, conference last week. That's M A C H. Um, Mac are a very big, well-known provider of roaming services, roaming systems, um, and the, the whole suite of services are, are associated with roaming. Uh, and it's a massive part of the industry, a really big part of the industry, industry because managing the uh, the interaction between your your um, your home operator and then eight hundred other operators around the world is quite a complicated. Procedure. Uh, so I was, I was there. What- this is season one, episode eight. So this is 2011 still. Mm. And we spent a lot of time talking about roaming back in the early days of 361, didn't we? It was a real problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the strange thing is now that, like, it feels like a problem that's gone away, but he's coming back. Mm. Because I'm thinking the last time, oh, we haven't traveled last year and we didn't travel much the year before. But last time I did 
any serious travel, we had no roaming fees across all of Europe on my tariff yeah. and fair use terms that meant I could download gigabytes of data before that kicked in that was yes. plenty for a holiday. The last time I was in the States, my operator included free roaming there. Last time I was in Australia, my operator included free roaming there. And yet, only 10 years ago, there was a whole conference and whole mm -hmm. businesses around optimizing roaming. Yeah. And so it's, it's fascinating because, of course, it's a thing that's coming back, isn't it? You know, With mm -hmm. the advent of Brexit, lots of operators are taking away free roaming now, aren't they? They are, which is, I think, quite unfortunate. Yeah, we have to remember that back in the day, it was Excel spreadsheets being sent back and forward. And there were companies that specialised in helping smooth the Excel spreadsheets going between operators to work out how much people were owed and, and doing all the accounting and, and all this. It was a serious, serious issue. So we have, for the longest time, I think, enjoyed the opportunity to fly somewhere in Europe and roaming just work. And that has been wonderful. And then increasingly with the likes of three in particular, I think, in the UK, really pushed the international you know, beyond Europe. It was just it was really, really nice for the longest time. But uh, it's unfortunate to see that uh, reversing somewhat. It was, it was fascinating, wasn't it, Rafe? Because Three, as a challenger network, launched that Three Like Home, where you could go any country where there was a Three network and you could get free roaming. And that was amazing. I loved that. And I particularly loved that so many of the places that I went to, just by accident more than anything else, seemed to be Three countries. That was like living in the future. But now, that's just become like a, a hygiene thing, hasn't it? Because every operator, well, until very recently, every operator has offered that. Why is roaming coming back? Well, I mean, related to Brexit, because a lot of, for the UK at least, that roaming free was driven by European regulations that were encouraging, like taking apart kind of borders. And that obviously has now changed. So operators aren't under an obligation to offer it so i wonder whether in the uk at least it will come back as something that acts as a differentiator i mean i think it's going to be you know, kind of consumer demand is going to drive that and we should note that you know there are plenty of other places where roaming is still an issue but it also reminds me of the second part of that which is that expectation of always on connectivity and obviously that's been there from a business point of view for a while but even now going on holiday and maybe in the before times before COVID where you were you know, going overseas, the idea that you would not have connectivity to be able to look up things seems a bit alien now. And, you know, I, I can remember a couple of years ago going to the Faroes, then having to do that local SIM trick in order to get decent connectivity. And I just couldn't imagine going on holiday without it. And whether that's, you know, being able to listen to music, download podcasts, whatever it happens to be, or even just simply being able to look up Google Maps. Yeah, Google Maps and information about venues. And it's amazing that it wasn't that long ago that actually you probably didn't do any of that because you were paying, you know, two or three pounds a megabyte Oof. or consider switching to a different operator just to get like home or yeah. equivalent. Yeah. yeah. And it's really telling, isn't it, that I remember planning travel by, you know, buying sims uh, i'm just looking at the, the mm. show notes uh, on the side of the can for this one and we talked about a broadband d-roam anavo true phone all these products yeah. that you would buy or, or turn on for travel so that you had these things you know kind of ready to go you'd have all your maps printed out you would have all your routes pre-planned you'd go into google maps or tom tom or whatever it is and you you download the routes because you just couldn't rely on having connectivity. And yeah. you and I, I mean, I remember Mobile World Congress, mm. you and I went off to the Vodafone store to buy prepay SIMs. Oh, that was so frustrating, wasn't it? Spent about an hour in there negotiating yeah. kind of just the purchase of SIMs, which was 
yeah. difficult because a demand was very high and i think our spanish maybe not be up to scratch because no. you were just basically shouting in english <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we got them and that was great and we used them and then about 10 minutes later they stopped working yes and of course it was because we were I think we decided in the end we were on the wrong tariff. And so you know, all of our credit had been used up, you know. Immediately. So annoying. By using data. Yeah. Yeah. But like, it was a really big thing, actually. Yeah. And I just can't imagine a world of going back to worrying about that because I think people know now that data is cheap. Yes. You know, Wi-Fi is everywhere. Data services are cheap. Um, actually, just the other week, it was time to get some new SIMs for our various family iPads. And for a 10 quid a month, I've got 30 gig of data every month right? through a sort of a budget MVNO. Hmm. And that's not a special deal. That's just the first one I landed on that was worth looking. And that would have blown our minds in 2011, wouldn't it? 30 gig of data for 10 quid a month. Totally, totally. With included free roaming all across Europe, oh. which is that operator is still doing. Yeah. Those were the days you know, when, when you used to really panic, right? And I do remember the, the benefit of BlackBerry. As well, because I think just a few years before that, and even probably still then, I remember having my T-Mobile BlackBerry, which had uh, technically unlimited 2G data roaming. Unlimited because they didn't have the billing system implemented. And that was amazing to travel internationally. And I remember the, the first time coming off the plane, switching the thing on, and being able to email people. It just felt weird and cool. But then it became a necessary requirement. So the first thing we did when we visited Barcelona for these conferences was we went straight to the Vodafone store, right? Because it was business critical to us to have that connectivity. And then it was useless, absolutely useless. It was weird to need it and to have so many people sort of you know, have the same need as us. It wasn't a, yes. a mobile geek yeah. niche. It was a business traveler, mobile geek yeah. requirement. Yes. And it was some years later that you started to see the vending machines in airports selling prepaid SIM cards. Yeah. But at that point, I remember say, going to a Vodafone store with my passport to show ID and buy this SIM card. So, Rafe, just one thing I noticed before we listen to the next tape, Unavo. Do you remember that name? I do, but I don't remember the context. Well, I'm now this is terrible because I'm doing this off the cuff, but I think that was a VPN service. Oh, that's right. That... Uh, do you remember that Facebook bought yes. and then later uh, was discovered to be doing all sorts of all kinds of anti-competitive nonsense things, data mining yes. by inspecting people's data? Yeah. So even ten years ago, we knew that free VPNs weren't free, mm. and yep. big corporations occasionally abused their positions. So. That's why every estate should have its own VPN, essentially. Although on the roaming subject, I'm going to be very distressed when that goes away, if it does go away, because I really enjoyed being able to use the same operator right across the estate. Next clip. Okay. Uh, well, look, let's have a look at the next one. Rafe, what have you got over there? Oh, let's have a look. Ah, yes. I think this was quite a good episode. A good question. Let me stick it on. Yeah, momentum, sorry. Yeah. I, I, you think we're going to see a couple of years before this problem occurs? Well, uh, the timing one is, is interesting because I think the, the thing is that Ben and I have been saying is it's the decisions they make now have an effect in a couple of years. And I agree, it won't be that visible in the next couple of years. You'll start seeing the hints of it. And the, the reason I say that is it's partly to do with product life cycle in the mobile industry. But let's just wind the clock back 10 years, 2001. That's basically the time at which Symbian started coming out. And sort of five, six years later, 2006, they're at the top of their game. What else happened in 2006? Well, just around that period. That was when Apple first announced the iPhone. 
Yeah. We're now sitting five or six years later in 2012. Do you remember Rafe Blanford's theory? Mm. Rafe Blanford's theory of seven years. Oh, yes. Yeah, or five years or ten years, depending on yeah. what I've been drinking that morning. <laughs> what fitted. Exactly. Wow. I, 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 Honestly, I forgot. It's been so long since we've talked about this. I've forgotten about this. This is the Apple is the next Nokia episode, Rafe. I've got the can over here. It is. And you, you had this theory. And actually, I think you were right until you were wrong. Yes. Well, I, I think I was actually right all along. And I said, essentially, that the platforms, and we were talking about Symbian and Apple and a bit of Android, are created in the moment they're born with the requirements of that time. But the industry shifts quite quickly. And they, so that means they're not quite so relevant. And I believe what we said in the episode was that Apple might be approaching that and would have to go through some kind of reset and something like that. So, you know, it was this theory that Symbian had been on top for 10 years and that we were then at the period where Apple was going into the peak and like 10 years later. Okay, uh, interesting from that point of view. But I believe the caveat was in this episode, we kind of said that we didn't think Apple would be like uh, Symbian or Nokia because it might learn those lessons, but would have to find another way through the reset. And actually, if I look at that, I think you can make that kind of argument there's some interesting things around Apple Silicon, for example, and taking yeah. the control of that. It's actually that Android now, it's backwardly compatible to a certain amount. But actually, if you go back far enough, it's really not. Mm. And actually, Android devices tend to get updates for a couple of years and then go a bit obsolescent. I think the thing that we probably missed and didn't get right was there were so many more constraints from a hardware point of view in the Nokia and Symbian days that they found it more difficult to keep up. Yeah. And actually we've seen, and we've talked about this, less innovation in the hardware space and less change. And, you know, they're all glass slabs and yes, the cameras are getting better and the process is getting better. But we've also seen some fairly fundamental changes. If you look at Android as it was then, almost unrecognizable to what Android is now. And even, you know, the iOS itself has been through you know, design changes, the way things work, more recently introducing widgets and things like that. So I wonder if the argument is still there, but Apple and Android became dominant enough that they were able to survive through those resets and transitions. Just managed it. Yeah. I would still make the argument that actually there may be something overall to come because you can also look at things like Swift and Kotlin. Mm. You know, they both came in as new developer language. That was a bit of a reset to the platform in a way that Symbian didn't really pull off with C++ and then Qt. Well, we're getting really nerdy now. Yeah, that's triple nerdy. Yeah, we're, okay, I'll stop, I'll stop being nerdy. But the other thing is, actually, is it phones on their own anymore? Like some of the value comes from having an Apple Watch or having the AirPods and, and, and. There are the persistent rumors that in the next couple of years, we're going to see the smart glasses or some other mm. form of wearable. And there's still this sense that the smartphone as it is today has a bit of a a shelf life, or at least there's going to be a reset. And some of that got deferred by voice, by changes in the underlying software and all, all that sort of thing. But I wonder if that will still come. I mean, what is the next big thing? And Apple has always been working on it, as has Facebook and Google and Amazon. But yeah, maybe the theory doesn't sit quite as well. But I do think the original contention that platforms and things are built around the requirements of that time and then age out quite quickly if you're not smart about the way you reset them. I think it's maybe just easier to survive that reset when you've got scale and research money and everything else mm. and can see the problems that came before. So you're saying you were wrong, but you've got a good excuse. Yes. Two things. I'm just wondering when the sausage rolls are arriving. 
All right, this is Christmas Wraith. The whole point of coming all the way down here, right, is to have some sausage rolls. Well, you weren't paying attention, you and we've just eaten them all. Did you what? not get one? No, I didn't get Order some more, please. Okay, I'll get some more. Right. That's the problem with the social distancing is you can't reach the sausage rolls, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I was just, just looking on the side of this can, Ewan. Yeah. 30th of January, 2012, we were having that conversation. We were saying the iPhone's been out a couple of years. Will it suffer? the five-year yes. thing. And uh, hang on, let me, re- let me read from what I wrote on the post-it on the side of this can. It's not all bad news, though. We think Apple is one of the few firms with the vision and experience to navigate this tricky process successfully. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Why were we not charging more for this? Right. Because I feel like we predicted the future there. <laughs> we gave this away for free right. this episode. I was just thinking that there was a lot of pontificating going on, and now we found our niche and kind of dad jokes and other you know, spurious bits of content. So maybe the value's gone down, but, you know, the listenership has gone up. Mm. Yeah, look, speaking of listenership, I'm wondering, anywhere here, can you see any live events? Oh, hang on. Because I, yeah, we actually met some listeners at some of these live events. Where are they? Come on, have a look. Hang on a second. Let me have a look. It was was season three. We did quite a few. We've done, I I have, we've done a lot, I think. We did that big one in season three. Hang on, here it is. On our panel this evening, Ed Hodges, Head of Mobile, Business and Commercial, Royal Bank of Scotland. Mark Squires, Nokia's Head of Communications for Western Europe. Stephen Pinches, Head of Emerging Technologies for the FT Group. Ilico Elia, Head of Mobile here at LBI. And Rafe Blanford, Editor of All About Symbian and All About Windows Phone. You buy a room full of people, one free drink, and they are so grateful. <laughs> okay. Wow. We had an actual audience. Wow. Like rock stars. And we had good guests. Yes. Like proper people who knew what they were talking about. So wait, wait a minute. Just go through that. That was Ed from Royal Bank of Scotland. Ed, who was at Royal Bank of Scotland at the time. Yeah. Mark Squires, who was head of comms for Nokia Western Europe, although I think he had roles subsequent to that right but you knew him well didn't you Rafe in terms of your relationship with Nokia he was important person at Nokia very important Stephen Pinches who was head of emerging technologies at the FT and this was around the time do you remember that the oh that was interesting now very interesting actually I guess that this will be when the decisions were being made but we didn't see it till later but the FT was famous for deciding not to build a mobile app a native mobile app yeah they built their mobile presence out on mobile web and famously said that they sort of preferred that over yeah. over an app. Of course, all that has all changed now. But at that point, there were some people on that stage wrestling with some pretty hard questions in their you know, day-to-day business. Obviously, Ed would have been looking at the earliest mobile banking app, yes. sort of very immature. A friend of the show, Ilico Elia, was, well, he worked at LBI at the time, but Big digital agency. He was your colleague, wasn't he, Rafe, and at the time, and you guys were working on sort of mobile stuff when it was still no one really knew to be sure how to do it, did they? I think it's fair to say. So there was a lot of discovery. The brands you were working with were sort of dipping their toe in the water. And then, of course, and Rafe Blanford was there a lot. And do you notice the dynamic, Ewan? Rafe is on the stage answering the questions. Yeah. I'm holding the microphone and comparing it. Do you remember yeah. where you were? Yeah, I was just one. I was about to say, where was I and what was I doing? Do you not remember? You were down in the crowd holding the microphone for the attendees to ask their questions. Oh, thanks for that, guys. Thanks a lot. It's an important job. Mm. It's representing the users. Mm. That was a really good event, actually. I mean, LBI gave us a great space to do it in. And 
works on Brick Lane in central London. But let me spin it forward. Let's find a question. Information. Okay, let's, let's go out to the audience. So we have any questions? Terence Eden. So uh, I give all my data to, to Facebook and to Spotify. Um, they, they know everything about me. And yet the adverts on there are still crap. Um, I'm serious. Every, every, if Spotify are listening, why am I always hearing the same advert for something that I'm never going to click on or purchase? It's nothing to do with me. So I'm giving all this data away, so I'm being told, but nothing is coming back. So what's happening to it? Oh, come on. That's fantastic. I guarantee you Terence Eden is not giving any data to anyone at this current time, right? Not anymore. Terence, friend of the show and yes. always brilliantly primed for asking a difficult question. Oh, yeah. But we spent a lot of time in that episode, if I remember rightly, talking about Gosh. giving data away. Mm. And actually, I remember Mark Squires from Nokia was talking about how he was a school governor and they were instigating lessons for students in the schools that he was concerned with to help students understand their privacy and mm. how when you give people your data, it's not without consequence that they then use that. Yes. To sell, you know, to run their services and those kinds of things. And that feels like a conversation that's timely now mm. because we're still having those conversations around what is Facebook doing with data and things like that. It's interesting. Do either of you know Life360? Yes. It's a sort of a family app. That, or, or is it? I thought it was Microsoft. Or is it not? It's not. No, it's not a Microsoft one. Independent. It's huge. And I think it's probably been one of those ones that's passed through ownership of several big brands over the years. Right. But it's, where is my family? Can I find them? It's, a, yes. it's marketed as a sort of a children's safety, family organizing app. And there's been a slew of news stories well, in the last month or so about how actually they are one of the biggest geolocation data brokers. They're selling people's location, uh-huh. you know, sort of completely you know, unreserved for millions and millions of primary Americans because that's the geography they target the most. And here we are, you know, 10 years on, tail end of 2021, having the same conversation around I gave a giant corporation access to know my location 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And they did something commercial with it, despite the fact that I don't pay them any other money. And I am surprised. Mm. I think maybe the only thing that has increased is my cynicism, Rafe, about that. Because like I say, at the time, it was already, where are we now? 2012. So nine, 10 years ago, it was already a topic for conversation. Yeah, I think we did pay them. No, that is, it was actually genuine. Because I think a lot, a lot of those people, well, some of them knew us. Some of them did know us. But there were quite a lot of just other people, and Ben did a great job at hosting it. It was a lovely environment, a very professional environment at this massive digital agency in their office. It was quite professional. And you know, there was a bit of wine and so on, you know. Yeah, well, also back then, I was actually a mobile celebrity because I was running like a really big site. And then I started working for Digitest, and I became a no-namer. Wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> so was I. <laughs> You don't normally hear him say these things, right? but he was someone. People wanted their photo taken with him. I got croissants. Yeah. Is the oxygen low in this cave or something? Because, wow, mobile celebrities. <laughs> I mean, okay, yeah. People knew who you were, I'll, I'll grant you that. But wait, wait, wait. I do think the three of us were reasonably well known at this particular time. This is before TikTok, before social big time, really, right? And we, we were quite active. There was a big crowd. We had, I don't think we had about 60 people yeah. in the audience, which filled the space that we had available. So It was a big event. Oh, we, we did it a few times. Oh, right, let's, let's find the next one. Uh, this one says May 2012. Let's see, uh, let's see what we've got. And uh, we've actually got, we've got some Lumia 610s in front of us, which we're going to be bringing away and having a look at. So I'm quite excited about that. Should it's... we not do an unboxing? Well, all right, the audio unboxing. 
Ben's taking it out of the box. It's really very right, exciting. Here. Oh, plastic bag coming off, and he's picked up the Lumia 610. It's a lovely white version. How does it feel? It's going to be available in the UK next he's nodding. week. Yeah, I actually, for fifteen pounds a week. I, I do. Uh, a month, I do quite like that. I, I can't notice the battery falling off where I dropped it on the floor a minute ago. But apart from that, that's because you've not put the battery in it yet. That's true. No, actually, I quite like that. I'm looking forward to having a play. But we won't um, we won't talk any more about that yet because we haven't had a chance to have a play with it. But right. it's it's been cool. There we go. Lumia six ten audio unboxing. You know how, as a podcaster, sometimes you try something and then you listen back to it afterwards and say, "Let's never do that again." Hmm. That's where I'm at with that clip. Does that mean that we were we the first to do that? Yeah, I think we were ahead of our time because yeah. you know we did podcasting before it was popular, yeah. and then everyone else came along and made money out of it, and we didn't, and yeah. we carried on doing it unpopular. <laughs> yeah, and I was like that with YouTube. I mean, I've got some like videos on YouTube unboxing of the N93 from like just before YouTube started monetizing things. It's got. I don't know, like a hundred million views on it, something like that, altogether. All of the those all about video unboxing, and like, it didn't really do very well out of it. And it's like I've done that five years later. I definitely wouldn't be recording this podcast right now. I'd be on a beach somewhere, yeah. probably recording a different type of podcast. But um, <laughs> I just like to think we were ahead of our time. Also, do you remember that we would record those episodes at events? So that if you I don't know if you could hear in the background, but it sounded like we were in a swimming pool. We weren't in a swimming yes. pool. We were in some hotel in central London at like a, the, obviously a Lumia a launch event. Ah, uh, yes, because yeah. mm. the Lumia was a budget Windows phone, wasn't it, Rafe? Yeah, it was about one hundred and fifty pounds, as I recall. I think I said in, in the clip. I think it was fifteen pounds a month because that would be how they would try and explain what operators would charge. And because we were all mobile celebrities, we got invited to uh, launch events mm. and to comment on phones. But I do remember you going on and on about your sock and the microphone, how we had to position ourselves accordingly and find the quiet bit of the room to do the recording in. Mm. You were quite fussy even then. I mean, basically, you were proto-Mark. <laughs> I, think, I think Mark probably, when he hears this recording, is going to need to lie down at that point because <laughs> he would have just swallowed his tongue. Yeah, we went and we did those events, but it was very... The launch of a mobile phone, I mean, okay, it was still a trade thing, but there was lots of outreach to mm. interested bloggers and things like that. Yes. I think these days when large mobile firms launch phones, okay, we don't do it in person at the moment, but even then, like, bloggers and journalists will be invited and those sorts of things. But, like, this is now kind of mainstream news. It's, you know, it's covered in regular publications. The, you know, the launch of a new iPhone is on the, you know, the main 10 o'clock news for sort of the mass market. And so, you know, kind of, there's not that sense of it being a special event every time now. And actually it was accessible to us in a way that I don't think it would be anymore. Mm. You know, I think if we were still talking about new handsets and that kind of stuff, mm. and that was great. You'd rock up. I mean, and people used to say, why do you bother doing the podcast? So you'd rock up and somebody would put a brand new handset in your hand, you know, yes. either before launch or, or just on launch day and you'd go away and people would care about what you thought about it. And the company was polite enough to pretend that they cared as well. It was mm. incredible. I mean, Rafe, you obviously this was how you earned your income at that stage. You, you and I, it was well, you, you and you, it was a job, but not your whole job. Yeah. But and for me, it was a hobby. But right. you actually made your living out of this. Yeah, because at that point in time, it was um, yeah, it was still kind of the full time gig, along with kind of doing consultancy work off the back of it. It was actually, I think, a year or so after the 2012 recordings and obviously the one we recorded at LB, I think by then I was working there because that's going back about seven and a half years from now. But it is interesting, like the big events are still there, Apple and Samsung, 
but a lot of it it's perhaps not so prominent in some ways but in others there's a much bigger industry now around writing about phones coming out and there's uh, you know when i got going you could count probably the sites on one or two hands that were the big influential ones and now everyone and their dog is writing about it and it's gone on to youtube tiktok lots of other places yet that doesn't quite have that cachet i mean maybe the big samsung launch and the iphone launch each year but at this point you know nokia was doing six plus smartphone launches a year Mm. and then similar from other manufacturers and so it's entirely possible to go from one week to the next and go to kind of a launch event each time and some of that still happens but i think it's this bizarre combination of maybe become jaded or just not involved in it but also like the level of interest and the detail that went into some of those things now it's just not there ewan do you remember the checklist that you and i used to have for mobile launch events yes yes i do Do you remember yes go on what was on the what was on the checklist for our absolutely typical mobile launch event uh, go on it had to be Underground with no mobile signal. That's right. Zero mobile signal. No Wi-Fi. No hotel Wi-Fi. Absolutely. Or inaccessible Wi-Fi. Preferably really good quality Wi-Fi that you can't access, so you can't tell anyone about it. <laughs> uh, it had to be quite difficult to get to. Yes. Typically speaking, right? Oh, terrible lighting. <gasps> yes. Yeah. So you go and you go, look at our new phone. Oh, uh, uh, we've popped it in this nightclub and we're going to fire lasers off it. You can't actually see it. but yeah. you know. And then um, lots and lots of noise. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. It had to be impossible to hear the briefing. Absolutely. Yes, that's right. And then you couldn't actually use the phone because it was sort of still buggy in the software. And so, no, no, you can look at it yeah. and you can hear about it, but no. You, we'll give you a USB you with the details on it. And then there'll be this, like, random singer or celeb that had been wheeled out to endorse it and some companies were worse than others when it came to that sort of thing i saw the sugar babes at one event <laughs> do you remember the sugar babes i don't know who you're talking about so, okay I, I wouldn't know if i bumped into the street okay i was thinking there was one ewan where we were making videos and uh it was sony ericsson oh. and yes. <laughs> everything about the evening was the most amount of bad it could possibly be yes. it was underground dark Yes. You know, couldn't use yes. the phones, yeah. couldn't see the phone. I think we had it in our hands. Yes. The PR people were going absolutely nuts trying to control the event and shepherd people through interviews. I'm pretty sure the PR person we were speaking to or the, the spokesperson had had a few beers because he was a little bit slurry and a little bit yes. uh, mm. yeah. aggressive, yeah. shall we say. Yeah. He didn't like my question. <laughs> Actually got up and mm. walked away. They shouted at me because they didn't like my questions. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't think I was being particularly rude. And then we couldn't get out of the event and couldn't collect the review handsets. And they were all really bummed out when we didn't want to stay to listen to, I don't know, some singer. Yeah, as you say. Yes. Because they were like, hey, let's have a party. I was like, I think I'm going to go home and look at this phone you've just launched, actually. But yes, perhaps that yeah. says more about me than it does about everyone else. I think that's perfectly normal behaviour, Ben. Mm. Thank you, Rafe. That's the endorsement I needed. All right. Another episode. What we got here? Hmm. This one's got slightly blurry writing on it. Must have had a bit of a leak from the ceiling. Oh, well, get that fixed later. Can you um, pop it in? Hang on a second. I don't know if it's blurry, Rafe. I think these might be tears. Hang on a minute. Let's listen. <laughs> uh, what are we talking about this week, you and McLeod? I, I am really annoyed because people don't know that I'm uh, a quality guy when they look at my mobile phones. Don't laugh. 
<laughs> Listen. So, what, what do you mean by a quality guy? <laughs> Sorry, that sounds a little bit uh, east of London. People I don't know that he's special by looking at his phone because he's I got know the he's same special. iPhone as everybody yeah. else. Yeah, well, I basically. I... There you go. Do you do you remember that one? I do. I didn't know. Oh, come on, come on. You season three, episode three, entitled "Ewan Wants a Better Phone Than You." This is yes. the first episode we ever published that got angry emails really like not people joking not people winding rafe up literally proper angry aggressive emails telling me where ewan could stick his iphone because <laughs> <laughs> this was the episode where you must remember this i do i i remember being quite outraged um is outraged the right yeah um well quite uh, I'll need to think of the proper phrase. Outrage was coming in somewhere, whether it was you yeah, or was, the listeners, was... I'm not really sure. <laughs> I, I, I think I remember, you know, I, I've got my top of the range iPhone, feeling very proud of it, and, you know, it's great. And then I was walking through Waterloo, and I was astonished to find that the guy that was uh, picking up the rubbish, you know, and keeping the station tidy, he stopped for a moment and brought out his iPhone. And I, I think it might have been, yeah, uh, a model slightly better than mine or at least you know it was it was a good quality iphone and a terrible snob inside you oh, burst geez. out <laughs> I, look, I was playing to camera mm-hmm. right okay uh, or not to camera playing to audio of course just as rafe was saying so i was hamming up a little bit but my underlying point which perhaps was missed by some who emailed in uh was these were are intended uh, these devices as a as a status symbol they were at the time yeah because there were very few mobile devices that were up in the six seven hundred eight hundred pound yeah. category and that was primarily apple but a few other manufacturers mm. as well were just sort of beginning to push the boundaries of this and so it was expensive but back then and actually still now people never saw them as thousand pound handsets or eight hundred pound handsets they were mm. just 30 pounds a month for two years yes. or 40 pounds a month for two years weren't they Yes, And I think this was it, was you expected there to be a kind of a whole tier of smartphones that were going to be the Mercedes of smartphones. You know, they were going to mark you out yes. that that was the price. But actually, finance and operators and people's willingness to spend money on mobile meant that everybody could have a high-end phone. And actually, yes. Virtu, you remember we went to the Virtu store in Prague. I do remember Virtu. I remember being thrown out of that one. Yeah, We weren't thrown out until we got your camera out. Oh, yeah. Because I true. think, yeah. do, you, do you not remember? We were thrown out and then some very aggressive looking Russians arrived. That's true. Yeah. So I think there was a pre-booked appointment. Mm. But Virtu was the handset where you could only buy it with big, big money. Mm. And I mean, they're still around, but it didn't take off as a sector. 3,000 euro per handset. Yeah. Right. On average. Yeah. But a thousand, 800 pounds, 900 pounds was selling. And you were cross. I, like I was cross. I was, of course, trying to make uh, a particular point, but for the benefit of the listening audience, I was hamming it up quite dramatically. Uh, I, I oh, that much? I, I no, come on. Well, come on. Season three, episode three. Search for it on the website. Listen to the whole episode. It's, uh, here we go, 43 minutes and 22 seconds long, and you can decide whether Ewan was hamming it up or is only subsequently saying that to relieve his guilt. Uh, All right, quickly, let's move on. Yeah to listen to another one i've got one here that i want to listen to it's got a sticker on it that we got an event i recognize this sticker see if you can remember 
what this company is that we were talking about. Too much larger than anticipated. So, Ewan, uh, the other week we all went to central London to uh, hear about Ubuntu. Now, yes. I kind of, I'm vaguely aware of Ubuntu because it's a desktop Linux operating system, and that's where my interest ran out because it's not really something I get hugely excited about. So, what? Talk us through what it was that dragged us all the way to centre of London. If I don't remember, on the 2nd of January, mad people. Yeah, well, that's because they wanted to get their announcement out before CES. And their big announcement was? Ubuntu Mobile. Do you remember Ubuntu Mobile? I do. And do you remember inadvertently being in the launch video? Mm. Yeah. We three were all in the launch video. Yeah, that I'm not entirely sure if that was planned or whatever, but we certainly were in the launch video. I uh, So Ubuntu being a very popular flavor of linux i think i remember being really really excited at the possibility of just another challenge i just wanted to see more competition in the marketplace and i don't know what was the timing of this one what year was this so this is 2013 they launched 2nd of january 2013 2013 right so we'd seen windows phone wither on the nokia i think i presume by this time i was really hopeful that a new challenger could rise and you abandon i think it was certainly possible because there was a massive community of Ubuntu users. And I, I was quite disappointed. I, I thought it could have been something, could have been a contender. I think this is when we had influence. Ben, and we were basically rented for an endorsement, sort of inadvertently without us really realizing what was happening. I remember going to the office and recording some videos and then being somewhat surprised a few days later when the launch video came out and it was sort of branded with, various things saying yes and these experts have said it's and without wishing to be too unkind about ubuntu i think it says something that we were being used as the endorsers and not someone maybe with a bit more credibility or or <laughs> high profile and that's probably the story of ubuntu like it was a nice story it was interesting but it sunk like a stone mm. so first of all you and i'm going to be the main in a row going to pull you up because i think at that stage windows phone hadn't died a death i think windows phone was well right was it still going Okay. Well, I'm not even sure. I think it, it was sort of, come on, Rafe, help me out, 2007, 2017, kind of. It had about 10 years, and I think it was in that kind of window. Yeah. The signs were, the writing was probably on the wall, Yeah, but that's perhaps with the benefit of you know hindsight. But Rafe couldn't see the wall at that point. Mm. Yeah. 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 No, no, because it was hidden behind all the phones. But yeah, as you say, it was funny because we were interviewed, and actually it wasn't massively unusual to be sort of plonked in front of a camera and interviewed because they were the, it was the same kind of questions that we were asking each other and publishing on mobile industry reviews and things. Yeah, those were the days. But I was surprised to see it go into the launch footage and particularly because, I mean, nothing, no, nothing wrong done. I mean, I'm sure we signed waivers and all that kind of stuff, but I just wanted the, <laughs> I just wanted the, the snack and the free pen and to have a look at the, the new phone. But I remember when we saw it, it wasn't even a piece of hardware. It was an operating system that you were going to flash onto an Android or a device that ran Android at that point. Mm. And I'd love to know where Ubuntu Mobile went because I genuinely couldn't tell you if it launched and if it did launch, did anyone use it? I think it did actually launch at some point for 20 minutes or something. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it had a launch event, but did it ever actually genuinely go out into people's hands? I think eventually at some point, I think it did. Well, it sort of evolved, I think. It went into Ubuntu Touch, and there were various flavors of it. I know it was running on Xiaomi handsets. I can't actually say what the time was. I want to say it was like the era of the Nexus 5, so that sort of tells you a little bit about the timing. It was definitely 
Android devices, but it never really took off. And I can remember it being at the subsequent MWC and it sort of being one of those slightly smaller mobile stands that you felt a bit sorry for. But I think I'm right in saying it's sort of still around today as a kind of skin or something like that. And I think it's sort of gone out of um, Canonical and kind of Mm. into another company. But this is where I sort of go, oh, I'll have a quick Google and have a look. And I haven't quite managed to do that because I don't want to upset Mark by typing on the keyboard. Well, look, somebody's going to have to wipe that jam off. Um, (laughs) I want to find that Rub Rafe episode. No. But I'm just, I can't. No. I can't. No, I can't. No. I can't find it. Oh, come on. How's that going to come on? I hope Mark's hidden it away. Whilst we're searching, throw this one in. I'll help you. Lock the door. I'll find it. We need to. This one just says smartwatch on the side. Really like that. And how's your um, life? My life, it's very good. Thank you very much. Did you go out for dinner yesterday? No. Day before? No. Okay. Grant. So, what are we talking about this week, Rafe Blanford? We are talking about what's a place for smartwatches. And we're going to talk about everything smartwatch, some of the things we think is good, some of the things we not so good, and maybe try and come to a conclusion that will educate and inform our lovely listeners. Hello, both of you. Now, for clarity, before we move on, Ray Flanford, I can't help noticing that whilst I'm wearing my Apple Watch, which I enjoy very much. Your um, very expensive Apple Watch. It's fairly expensive, but it's just because I'm better than you. I can't help noticing that Rafe Blanford's forearms are covered in an array of wearable devices, which would make the average shop assistant blush. So <laughs> there we go, Rafe, an array of smart devices. Do you remember that episode? Uh, no, I don't. And I'm just trying to think, what would I have been wearing? Mm. Well, I, I'll play a bit more of the tape in a second. But this is July 2015, ah. and um, I remember, because at that point we were recording in Digitas offices in Brick Lane, I think, uh, we did this in person, and you arrived with like a jumper on or a sweater or something, and you know, just carried on, carried on, and carried on. And then when we started recording, you just sort of whipped up your sleeves, and you just had smartwatches all up your arm, sort of from wrist <laughs> to elbow on both arms. And I was like, let me play the tape again and see what you've got. Talk us through them quickly. What are you wearing this? <laughs> what are you wearing this week, Ray Blanford? On my left wrist, I'm wearing a lovely Pebble Time along with a Fitbit Flex. On my right wrist, I'm wearing a Microsoft Band and an Apple Watch. You really have got the whole gamut there, haven't you? And mm. I do feel like a complete and utter muppet. <laughs> and that's a feeling that has persisted for the next six years. Um, so I remembered you having more smartwatches, but perhaps we made you take them off for the recording. Pebble, there's a brand that has yeah. gone. What was the story behind Pebble? At that point, obviously, they were a, an independent brand. Wasn't it kickstarted? It was kickstarted, and they went through various models. And I think I got the two first models, and their kind of innovation was using an e-ink screen. Mm. So the battery life lasted longer, and then they introduced the idea of apps onto watches as well. So in, in many ways, ahead of their time. And I think I'm right in saying it was Fitbit maybe bought the last bits out of Pebble. They ran into financial trouble, basically, and maybe overextended, overambitious, and probably didn't fulfill their early promise. But it was the idea that the watch could be notifications, but also sensors as to what your body set counts were doing. And so actually, it's sort of recognizable in the devices you see today. And obviously, referred to an Apple Watch, that was, would have been one of the first generations. They were quite clunky at the time. I know that's right, because I bought the steel Apple Watch, the Series Zero, as it's called now, rather than the aluminium one. And you and you rid me, Mm. you gave me a really hard time for buying the expensive one. Yeah. But it did look nicer. It did look nice. Right. But but wait a minute, wait a minute. You were having a go at me talking about phones and good phones. And here we are. You're doing it worse. I remember Ben being a bit 
well, pretentious about watches and yeah. how long they would last and things <laughs> like this. And there was discussion around whether Apple could do trade-ins and the whole materials. And I just sat there thinking, yeah, whatever, Ben. And then I was very satisfied with my Microsoft band, which used the kind of same iconography, live tile concept as Windows Phone. I mean, it kind of sunk without trace after the second version. It didn't get supported. But what I will say is they did a good job nailing kind of the, what was important to be able to see glanceably on your screen and the additional sensors. And at the time, it had kind of more sensors and could record more things than the equivalent wearables. But you come forward to today, smartwatches seem to be a lot more popular. I see Apple Watches on a lot more wrists. Google hasn't really been able to sort things out. You know, there's been the Tizen, Android Wear and all of that. And that appears to be getting there. Now we're talking about rumors of the first proper Google Watch and things like that. But the wearable space has also moved on. You've got things like the Aura Ring and things shrinking down. Mm -hmm. So actually, I think thinking that wearables were going to be a thing, we were probably pretty accurate with that. And um, it does seem to be the companion device of choice for the smartphone. It's funny, isn't it? Because actually much as I wanted to tease you, the Pebble was a brilliantly lightweight, affordable device with a great kind of e-ink screen, if memory serves. It was a watch that wasn't too big, and it's only now, kind of six series later, that the Apple Watch feels like it's got to that kind of equivalence. Because my stainless steel Apple Watch barely lasted a day, and it was very chunky, and it was a very limited screen. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, that was fascinating. And then, actually, again, at the time, I didn't want to love it, but the Microsoft band that you were talking about, The live tiles, you know, that square Mm. iconography that is still in Windows today, but obviously, you know, Windows Phone is dead. It looked really nice. It worked. It scaled really well, I thought, onto the wrist because it had, as you say, it had a good bit of hardware in it. But actually, just from a look and feel point of view, again, I suppose where we got to, actually, I think at the time, we didn't really understand this as much because we never really talked about ecosystems a lot. It's turned out to be a thing the tightest integration with the mobile ecosystem as one because Mm. the only mobile smartwatch that really matters, at least in where we are, is the Apple Watch, isn't it, Rafe? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think the other thing that's happened is the mass market has been taken by the lower cost wearables, you know, like the Xiaomi Band, which have just been Mm. about exercise tracking. And yeah, Google and others have definitely struggled to have that tail hold. I mean, if you had to identify a number two player, it's probably be Samsung. And they've used, you know, the reach of the Galaxy brand to kind of drive you know, the Tizen-powered watches out as well and do bundling and things like that. Yeah. And some of those are pretty good. And then the other thing, specialist watch manufacturers, they've actually produced some of the stuff that is pretty decent as well. Let's move on. We've got to find the Rob Rafe. Yeah. No. Where is it? I still can't find that one. Rafe, pass me that one from over there, please. Mm. Let's just throw this one in. Season 14, episode two. Oh, Ooh. it's a Christmas one. Look, can't you see the smudge of uh, tinsel on it? Oh, it's dead simple. And, I, and I've seen with myself that members of my family who would otherwise be, you know, not interested or even maybe, you know, quite anti dealing with a voice assistant on their phone or complicated apps to make things happen in the house or even having like a, there was even some sort of reticence about having like a nest or something on the wall because it was like, I don't want that bit of computer or showing all the time in our house. It's not an attractive thing to have out there. Whereas actually, you're right, you and as we get more FA with it, we're going to buy a couple more dots. We'll have one in the bedroom. We'll have one downstairs, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, And this is great because the other thing is, although they haven't launched it yet, it's going to work with Sonos and things like that so you don't even need to have the 
echo as a speaker you can just have it as a control interface and then yes. use other speaker systems you've already got and of course it will it'll also use bluetooth but you know we're a sonos family so. wow i was both very right and very wrong in that mm. i think this is interesting oh look it's a very echo christmas so this was back 2016 we were just discovering home automation mm. and voice assistance for the first time yes so wow i mean just for the record we have smart thermostats on pretty much every wall of the house. I think we have nine in this house. So I was wrong about that, although we did buy less obtrusive ones than the original Nest. So perhaps I was right about that. And we absolutely have echoes in pretty much every room of the house. And in some cases, we have two voice assistants in some rooms because we have an echo and a HomePod, albeit the HomePod's in there just for nice music at the moment. So, wow. And you were also right about that kind of adoption by family members. Yeah. What's interesting here, this is just five years ago, and that was kind of nascent voice. It's come to the fore even more prominently in some cases, or more quickly, maybe is the better phrasing, than smartphones that took sort of 10, 15 years to get there. And I believe the current stat is about 35% of UK households have an echo, but that's sort of projected to get to kind of 60% in the next year or two. And it depends which bit of research you believe, but certainly like a lot of them. And like you, Ben, I've got them in multiple rooms in the house, use it as, and it was an entry way to home automation. It just surprised me that that's just five years. That, that's really not long at all compared to some of the other timelines that we're looking at in the episode archive. Yeah. And I remember early on, we started to talk about stuff more than phones and apps and networks, because that was all the way up to, where are we now? 2015, 2016, that was pretty much the main focus of the podcast because it was what was exciting. Yeah. Mm. And we started to talk about home automation and voice assistance. Smart stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And later on, we got into fintech and, and the things that mobile yes. was beginning to sort of affect there. And we, I mean, our listeners are always pretty polite, except for when Ewan says he wants a phone better than them. <laughs> but other than those occasions, you know, listeners are pretty polite, but they started to write in and say, you know, are you not doing mobile anymore? And we started to sort of talk about all this stuff that was enabled by mobile. Because, Rafe, I remember you telling me that essentially if mobile hadn't made all of these components and all of this technology cheap, you wouldn't have an Echo and you wouldn't have smartwatches and you wouldn't have voice assistants and you wouldn't have drones and all these kind of cool tech that sort of emerged in that time frame. Yeah, and that, that's right. And it, it's a reminder of just how much has been driven off the back of smartphones. And uh, uh, yeah, clearly a bit of a simplification but like the number of components and the kind of supply chain needed to support that has absolutely been demonstrated and more recently we've seen when it runs into trouble with like the chip shortages and the impact that's having on the automotive sector right now or you know gpus being used for mining bitcoin and, and things like that but again it's a useful reminder of like the first five years of the show were absolutely mobile centric and we didn't stray much away from that I think now sometimes we've had the conversation that, oh, do you think we should get back to doing something a bit more mobile and it's mobile and the things around it. It's probably the things around it and mobile now when, when we do our intro. And actually, I think that episode where we were kind of looking forward and making some fairly bold predictions about technology that was, you know, like coming out, it just goes to show we always, I think, got together because we were interested in the technology and that pace of change. And it's just shifted slightly. And, you know, we also spent a lot of time talking about apps and software and the, the same things happened there. Um, it does make me wonder about, you know, what's coming next. So it's maybe time for mm. another 
what do we think is going to happen in the next five years episode. I've rather enjoyed listening to the archive. So this was Christmas 2016, 22nd of mm. December 2016, this one went out. And by this point, the Echo had launched and was a big hit, and they were just launching new ones. And you and you're like, 2015, could you imagine a world where Amazon was the leading provider of sort of smart home technology and had the class-leading voice assistant and AI and all these sorts of things? Because, well, Amazon was long since stopped being a bookshop, you know, at this point. Mm. But I think it still felt kind of amazing that the Echo was this thing that worked as well as it did, because how or why, you know, was it Amazon that was able to produce it? You know, it still felt surreal. I think we were, I remember when they brought out the, the Echo, is it the dot, the small one? So, yes, that, and I think that's around this 2016 time. And, and go, oh, right, oh, gosh. Yeah, th- this, this could be more of a thing. This looks like they're getting, they're actually serious. Or are they serious? You know, I remember putting more faith in other companies and expecting other ecosystems to rise, especially Samsung with their smart things. I don't know if my timing is off here. Was Samsung's Smart Things out at this point? I think Smart Things was out, but it wasn't owned by Samsung. No, okay, it was, it was, it was the independent at this point. Yes, I don't think I thought Amazon would go full this way, and I, I think it was. Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm remaking it in my mind now, but it was. It felt like it was a few years before you can actually start ordering stuff. It took me quite a bit of time to get my head around the reality of saying, "Hey." smart device, I need some batteries. And then you know, the reality that you know, that smart device would then select the brand of batteries. You know, because you, you, you rarely would just say, I need Duracell. I just need double A's or whatever. You're giving a lot of power there. And this is the future of the voice as an interface. At this point, I don't think I was thinking about that at all. I think I was just quite impressed that they were bringing these things to market. They did work quite well, actually very well. And they were very reasonably priced. Do you remember in that episode, we were talking about the Echo and why we liked it. And we were talking about why did we like it relative to Siri? It was way better. Well, it was fairly new back then, but yeah, I'm pretty sure we got into talking about the personality of these devices as well. I mean, I don't mean literally the artificial voice. I mean, Mm. the way it feels to use them, yes. you know, the characteristics, how yes. pushy they are, how quick to respond, how easy they are to understand, how well they understand you. Because I remember back then, actually, I, mean, I think it still applies, but I remember kind of just being amazed that Siri was not easy to use and not yes. particularly reliable. Yes, And things have improved, and it's definitely a different set of comparisons now. It's a better. But yeah. amazed that Amazon sort of seemed to have nailed this sort of out of nowhere, and certainly, you know, far better than a company like Apple, who you thought, well, they have all the money and all the tech, and the iPhone was absolutely, you know, top pinnacle of uh, everyone's sort of smartphone lists. So that was amazing. And uh, yeah, Mm, the Dot, mm. what was it? Tens of pounds, and you can have a voice assistant in your house. Yeah, wasn't it like £19 during Black Friday or something like that? Well, you know, I think it launched at like forty nine ninety five, yeah, and now yeah. you can regularly pick it up for twenty quid. Yeah, certainly it was very affordable for a smart device. Now, come on, have you found this tape? I've got a plan. No, 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 no. No, my mistake has been to look for the episode because obviously, Ewan, you remember we nearly got this tattooed. 
Yeah, season 13, episode five. I mean, somebody says to me, yes. what's the rub race for episode? I say season 13, episode five, because mm. that was a turning point in my life. It was a very special moment. Exactly. I've committed that to memory, but there must be 200 tapes on this table. How on earth am I supposed to find it? I've got a plan. You know how I'm going to find it? Go on. Lavender. That's a very good idea. I can still smell the lavender in my mind. Do you remember how he smelled at the end of that episode after his massage? Fetching, I felt. Fetching. Can I, just for, for those that maybe knew or, or, or perhaps weren't following it or haven't had it tattooed like we have uh, on various body parts, I think it was season 12 or maybe the start of season 13, we, I... Yes, you, not we. I not volunteered, we, uh, yeah, uh, not we. I volunteered Rafe at some point saying, hey, look, at some point, yeah, shouldn't we do something whereby we're looking at the on-demand economy? This is when you could use a mobile app to book things, have people bring you food. Yeah, that was still very new. Have services delivered to you or provided to you. And I said, wouldn't it be fun? Wouldn't it be really cool if we could order a massage for you and then it could be performed on the show? And I think we kicked it around as a few ideas and Rafe, of course, said absolutely not, no way. Now, his uncomfortable responses prompted the listeners to say, that's a very good idea. I do remember we got quite a lot of mail Quite a lot of people saying, this is a great idea, you should, do, you should do this. I seem to remember many of Rafe's colleagues were incredibly keen that this happened. Mm. Yeah. Ex-colleagues. Because we had a deal, didn't we? If yeah. we got 100 Patreon supporters, yeah. we would make this happen. Yes. Well, Rafe committed to doing that, or we committed him to that. I think you committed to Rafe doing this. <laughs> I think at that point we were publishing the episodes sort of uh, over a weekend or something, and I came in on a Monday morning to check my email. And it's like, you have a new Patreon subscriber. 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 <laughs> I was like, whoa, okay, this works. So we, we basically, we said to the audience, if we get to 100 subscribers, then Rafe will volunteer to be massaged on the podcast. You know, I think when we finally got that commitment, then, then people did subscribe, which was very kind of them. And it wasn't so subscribers. I mean, we had thousands of subscribers at that point. I mean, I think at that point we were pushing ten to 15,000 subscribers listening every month. But these were yeah. people who were putting their hand in their pocket and actually giving us money. And we'd never yes. bothered to ask, you know, kind of to really push it in the past because we'd done this out yes. of passion. We'd occasionally had the old sponsor and that was nice because yeah. it funded some, you know, extra cool bits. bits. Yeah. But this was amazing. And the great thing was, by this point, I think we did do a few after this, but by this point, we pretty much settled on the three of us talking as the format. We weren't really yes. playing in interviews anymore. Right. We had invited people into the studio, but as a rule of thumb, it was so difficult to get people there at the right time to contribute. We yeah. said it would be yeah. better that we talk about the thing and we report what they've said or we commentate on what somebody said outside. Exactly. And so it was really unusual to have somebody else in the studio. And I think we have to also remember the lady who showed up to work one day. Yes. And was like, oh, I'm here to give you a massage. And it was entirely normal. She came with her mobile massage table and she you know, came into the office and she said, this is to- I do this all the time, you know, yeah. come and give people massages in their offices. And she had all the gear and a fold-up table on wheels and she set it up. And I was like, just before you start this, first of all, me and McLeod are going to be in the room watching. If you don't mind. A bit weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit weird. And then also, do you mind if I just rig this microphone up? It's because Rafe was face down on this massage table with his head through the hole of the massage table. And I rigged this microphone sort of off the floor, pointing up in the hope that he would contribute during the show. 
Didn't you also use the on-demand economy to get some towels for this event? Oh, yes. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it's the one good thing that came out of that episode. I've still got those towels, and every time I use one of them, I have nasty <laughs> flashbacks to having a massage while bending your own watch, which was a bit weird, if I'm completely honest. I will say the massage itself was incredibly nice, um, and I felt very relaxed afterwards. Well, first of all, those are the most expensive towels you will ever own, Rafe Blanford. I mean, they are (laughs) John Lewis, so UK high street retailer, standard towels. But we bought them on demand through, I think it was TaskRabbit or something like that, where you can ask people to go and do jobs for you. So I got a lady to go to Oxford Street, John Lewis Oxford Street. She travelled down there. She chose the towels and she texted me pictures of them. Which colours do you want, you know, from the store? And I said, I'll just get those plain white ones or something we got. And then she fetched them and brought them up to where I was working. And I would say the service charge for her sort of task rabbit kind of helper fee was about three times the price of the actual towels itself. So they were eh, it was expensive, but it worked. And we were just getting interested in the gig economy. Yes. And the lady who did the massage just treated this as completely normal because people were now booking massages and treatments. And I think later on, they maybe even went into beauty treatments and things. But at this stage, yeah, it was just yeah. massage, I think. And the only flaw in the whole evening, as far as I can tell, because I'd been arranging this with Urban Massage, or Urban as they're now called, you know, with their PR team in advance, and we, you know, we were straight up, and we didn't want to have the massage for free. So we even donated, yeah. uh, made a charity donation to the value of the massage so that we could kind of do a review of the experience, and it would be fair. Yeah. Loads of prep and all this kind of stuff. Towels. Rafe Blanford. Nobody had told the lady doing the massage. Mm. So she rocked up and was like, what's this? <laughs> and I was like, oh, didn't your PR team tell you this is a special massage? Not that kind of special massage. This is a special massage and um, we're going to record it. <laughs> and she was a really good sport. I don't think she spoke much during the episode. No, I think you can you can hear her going, and could you turn over now? Yes. Yeah, a few times, I think. Rafe will be in the middle of giving large thoughts about, uh, you know, kind of Nokia and mobile phones and that kind of stuff. There's a few times where in the recording, because I do listen to this one now and again. I don't know if you guys do. <laughs> just on favourite. I, I do genuinely just, sometimes I'll think, I'll just have a listen to Rob Reef. And it's just hearing him doing the, oh, it's actually very nice, actually. And then, yeah, the thing about Nokia and the market share, ooh. <laughs> Do you remember you fell asleep? I think he did actually fall asleep. There's a whole segment of the show. You and I are talking about the on-demand economy, and there's this sort of <laughs> coming from the corner. I've got it. Fantastic. I knew my lavender technique would work. I just sniffed the table. It still <laughs> smells of lavender massage oil. Rafe was the most fragrant that evening I have ever known him to be. Put it in. I just stick it in. See where it starts. And well, this week, it's a special one. So relaxed. So shall we get on with it? Yes. So, episode five, hashtag Rob Rafe. You're McLeod. Hello, welcome. We never thought today would happen, did we? Well, this, this, this it's a very strange one, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, because Blanford is not with us as he is normally. No, no, that's that's. In fact, he is lying down on the job. That's it. So normally, Rafe will be the diligent member of the group that would do the research and bring the notes into the room, but today he's having a bit of a lie down. Yes. So, Rafe, can you just can you hear us all right? 
I can hear you fine. Thank you, you're, you're sounding a bit muffled, so perhaps you'd just like to explain <laughs> to us the circumstances you found yourself in. Well, I'm recording the 361 podcast. And um, in which orientation would you say you're recording the 361 podcast? <laughs> Fairly horizontal, I would say. <laughs> Fairly horizontal. <laughs> for, for clarity, you're entirely horizontal. So I'd like to paint a picture with words, because, of course, we've agreed with Rafe that there'll be no pictures of Rafe in his pants. Um <laughs> And uh, so Rafe, Rafe is currently face down in the massage table and Esther from Urban Massage has joined us and she's, she's waving, which doesn't work well on audio. <laughs> but, and, yeah, it was nice. And it was bless, nice bless her, try, trying not to laugh and has been very, very tolerant of our nonsense. And Rafe's in for a classic massage, which I think is the, uh, is the one that uh, Urban Massage re- recommend for beginners. And I think, yes. Rafe, it's fair to say you are a beginner in the massage stakes. Yes, that's, that's right. I've just had to fill in my sort of consultation form and I worked out that it's actually about 252 weeks since I last had a massage. So, it's it's yeah. good that even though, even in your current state of undress and horizontal orientation, you're still the stats man. You've still got the numbers did, where we need does. them. He does. Okay. And by the way, can we just, before we get on with the podcast, because there's, there's a very science reason behind this whole podcast, uh, which we'll go into yes. yeah, uh, later on. Rafe, what are you having? So I know it's classic, but what aromas did you choose, if anything? Well, my understanding that this is... Um, grape oil based in lavender and it's i have to tell you it's smelling absolutely lovely and i'm already feeling enormously relaxed see look i mean the amount of time we've been going on about this you see the problem is that this risks not being quite as funny laughing at rafe if he's enjoying the situation but he was already feeling enormously relaxed and then fell asleep fantastic and the thing is we did all of that segment of the show Mm. And that was great. We were talking about why does Rafe sound muffled? And we, I'm pretty sure we went on and we talked a little bit about Urban Massage and the products and how he booked it. But then, like, the job of the show was to talk about the on-demand economy. So you and I then got on with the show, talking through our show notes, you know, kind of <laughs> yeah. on-demand economy yeah. and, you know, gig workers and, you know, payments and is it right? And could it operate in places that aren't big cities and this kind of stuff? And all the while, there's this kind of wafting lavender smell <laughs> coming across the room. And um, like I say, just the sound of Rafe occasionally adjusting himself on the table, you know, sort of turning sideways or whatever, as Esther's doing her best not to laugh. <sighs> and um, for where are we now? For 52 minutes and 57 seconds, <laughs> we maintained a straight face about this. I think that is my favourite ever yes. podcast recording. Yes. Absolutely brilliant. He's a sport, by the way. He is a sport. Well done, Rafe. He is a sport. I mean, well, actually, Rafe, before we go, tell us your side of that story. How do you recall that evening? I recall the run up to the evening of thinking, there's no way there'll be 100 subscribers, so I'm pretty safe here. But I didn't ever actually agree to that. That was entirely you and making it up. And then right up until the evening, I thought, this isn't actually going to happen. And I can deflect this into reviewing other on the moment. But I really underestimated the. Peer pressure. Well, undisguised glee with which <laughs> Ben and Ewan wanted to make this set up. And this included sending an email to my boss about checking out whether it was okay to use the meeting room for this because I'd refused to send that particular email on my corporate work account. And my boss going, Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely fine. You can use this meeting room. Definitely. And Definitely. then going, like, Oh, it looks like you're still a bit short. I'll do a whip around the office. And so what people don't really know is there were a whole bunch of colleagues who the very next morning would go, so did you enjoy your massage? Was that nice? Where are the photos? When's the episode coming out? And then I believe it went into a company-wide email that there was a podcast and 
it did my reputation quite a bit of damage at work and I very nearly <laughs> had to leave. But the massage was really, really lovely. I can remember walking home thinking, hmm, I need to get a massage more often. And so as with a lot of things that Ben and Ewan have introduced me to, I am very glad to have met such gentlemen and it has been a pleasure. And even Rabray, for all the fuss I make about it, <laughs> probably was one of the most fun episodes to record. There we go. It's the first and only show that we've done that has had its own hashtag, which persists in my heart, if not everywhere else. <laughs> okay, well, look, we need to go up to the party. We've, we've spent too much time here. And anyway, we need to go and uh, get Mark off the booze. Otherwise, there'll be none left for anyone else. Do you think we need to tidy up all the tapes, Ben? I think we should just leave them here on the table for Mark. Yeah, That's what he'd want. He'd want it that way. Yeah. It's organised. Yeah, he'll want them back in particular places and like rewinding and all that stuff. And I just, yeah. Uh, anyway, sausage rolls. Yes. Well, and also, I'm not sure I put the tapes back in the right cases either. So he's probably going to want to go through them and just check them anyway. Yeah, it'll be fine. Um, ben, just let him go ahead. He can sort the sausage rolls. You need to say something to the listeners. Oh, yeah. Okay. Look, listeners, thanks so much for listening in 2021. It's been a terrible year. and. So much of what has made me happy has been made up of recording this podcast. We've all really enjoyed it, and it's been a really great source of relief and fun for us. So thank you for listening, and thanks for all your kind comments. If you want to support the show, go to 361podcast.com. You can leave comments there, or you can get in touch with us, or you can go to 361podcast.com slash support if you'd like to support us through Patreon from $1 an episode. If you'd like to find us, we're also on Twitter at 361podcast. We're going to have a little holiday now over the new year. We hope you have a very happy new year. Wish you all the best for 2022. And we'll be back next year with season 21. Bye-bye. Let's get up to the party. Oh, just fair warning, though. When we get upstairs, I'm going to pretend not to know you. It's bad for my social standing. All right. Thanks for that. Yeah. Anyway, come on. Let's, let's get up to the party. Come on. I want the sausage rolls, Ben. Right. Yeah, not for nothing do I want sausage rolls. I came all this way. Let's go. Um, are you three lost or something? Can I help you? Uh, just just looking for the sausage rolls. Sorry. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, where's the party? We're with the Blandford. You see the lift? Yeah. In the lift. Yeah. Press up. All right. Thanks. And go. Okay. Sorry. It's private down here. All right? Yeah. Yeah. No worries. Thanks very much for the directions. Uh, we didn't touch tapes. Bye. Didn't touch the tapes. Can't believe people talk to me like that. I think that was Mark. Was that Mark? I think that's the guy. I think that's him. I've never seen him. He, he didn't look that happy. <laughs> wait till wait till he sees what you've done to the tapes. You, by the way, you. I expected him to be shorter. <laughs> and he only had one leg. <laughs> When he sees those tapes, he's going to be hopping mad. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been cracking to see you, gentlemen. Have a, a very happy new year. Yeah, you too. Uh, you too, you too. Um, what about the mobile phone museum? <sighs> Let's do it next year. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs>